Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Believe It Saints. He is Terrence Copper. I am David Grubb. And um, I guess at this point, there are still games to play, but the season is effectively over. It's over. You know what? I think it's weird. I guess mathematically, we still got a shot to make the playoffs. Yeah, but it's but we got to win out, and the Bucks got to lose out. And the Bucks, oh my god, yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. To, it's gonna be tough, man. Uh, my question is, with the bye week coming up, do you give the guys rest because they need it? They need rest. They've they been, need mental rest more than anything else. Right. I, I think that they're. I think that they're done mentally. Um, mm-hmm. This has been. This is. This hasn't been what they expected. Um, you know, we could talk about the injuries, but last year this was the most injured team in the NFL, so they're used to adversity in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not used to failure, and that's yeah. what this team has experienced this year: is is failure. It's not losing. Again, mm-hmm. losing when you compete at your best. And, you know, if you did everything you could, you leave it out on the field, I think, that, and you get beat that week. You feel a little bit different. Yeah. But there's – in these nine losses that we talk about now, how many do you – you don't feel good about any losses, but how many do you feel like, man, the Saints gave it their total effort this season in those games, and you feel like they can walk off the field, the field with their heads high? There's not a lot of them. And Maybe I think this isn't so where where is this team then mentally? I think, you know, if you're going the physical part is one thing, but I think that they need to refresh themselves mentally. And I think there's also gonna be a lot of soul searching done in the executive offices over the next couple of weeks, too, because I think some decisions one way or another are gonna get made. Either if Dennis Allen is back next season, if he's back, there's gonna be some major overhauls on this staff. Mm-hmm. I think that that would have to happen if, if Dennis Allen is returning. If he's not going to return, I think that decision is getting made over the next two weeks. They're not going – There's they're, at this stage, I don't think ownership wants to be behind the curve if they are going to release him. And mm-hmm. knowing that there's going to be candidates and you don't want to be in a position like you were last year where Sean Payton leaves after a big wave of people are already gone. You want to be at the front mm-hmm. of that and see which coaches you might want to be able to poach from somebody else. Yeah, I, I think the fact that this is his first year as a head coach, to me, I feel like you give him one more year, at least one more year. I think now if he's lost the locker room, which I don't know, but if he's lost the locker room, then I think, you know, a decision has to be made because I don't think you ever get the locker room back once you lose him. Uh, so 
I feel like as long as the, the guys are still competing, which defensively they are, they're still competing defensively. I think offensively they're still competing, but we just we're not executing the way we should offensively. Uh, but I think with the coaching staff, I still think you got to bring some other coaches in. Uh, just being honest with you, I think some type of change has to happen. I don't think it has to be major change, but I think some type of tweaks here and there may need they may need to be changed. But I don't think a big old overall or a major change needs to be made. Not after the first year. I think, I think you Pete's still gotta gone. Guys. I think Pete's think gone. So? At least he's not going to be offensive coordinator next year. I, okay. I think that either he gets demoted or he moves on. Um, because it sounded like after the Tampa game that Dennis was kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit mm-hmm. um, and just talking about some of the play calls that were made. Um, and we can get into that, too, because I think there are two drives in particular that I want to ask you about that I think we're, you know, people going to talk about Mark Ingram going out um, a yard short. And, um, you know, that's an unfortunate thing. And it's an unfortunate end to his career. And I, let's let's do with that first. Because Mark Ingram, is, his, his career is over, essentially, for the Saints. He, th- th- with finding out yeah. that he tore um, the meniscus in his knee, uh, MCL, excuse me, in his knee. And he had mm-hmm. torn it before yeah. that carry. He tore it in wow. the third quarter. Yeah. Remember when he went off the field, and we'll talk about that, right. that, that field goal drive. He, that's when he hurt his knee, and he, they put him back yeah. on the field. So we can have a discussion there, too, about the training staff and their evaluation of mm-hmm. him and whether he should have been on the field at all in that situation. But um, mm-hmm. I hate that that's going to be people's final memory of Mark Ingram in a Saints uniform, considering all that he has done and given to the franchise physically coming up from a guy who people um, thought was going to be a bust. And then, mm-hmm. you know, ending up as the second all time leading rusher, you know, in franchise history, eventually after Alec Kamara passes him, but right now, I mean, you know, Mark Ingram has had a, a, an outstanding career um, for the New Orleans Saints and, and in the NFL. Yeah, he has. He has. Um, and I don't think I don't think the fans going to look at him as, you know, look at it as, you know, just a bad way to go out. You know, everybody's career has to end at some time. And I'm not saying his career is over. I'm not saying that. But everybody's career comes to an end sometime. And he had had his, he had has an amazing career. Uh, especially with, with the Saints, not all the Saints, but with the Saints, he had an amazing career. You know, when it comes to the training staff, I had him actually going back in the game with a meniscus. Meniscus can be tricky. Uh, when I played, I had a meniscus tear. And sometimes you can go to the sideline. Some some meniscus tears you don't need a, a surgery for. Right. Some you can just allow heal time and it heal up for you. But I could see him going back in the game, especially if – because you actually can play on meniscus tear, you can play as long as you have some pressure on it. You can. It's different from an ACL. You're right, not ACL, you got no stability. No stability at all. It's different. So I could see them going over there, looking at it, you know, and and making sure you know he still can move, could put pressure on it. And I'm quite sure in the situation the Saints are in, he wants to get back out there and play. And so that's the decision. I think I think that the training staff and himself make that decision, especially if it's stable. You know, there's no ACL tear, so I'm not, I'm not so down them allowing him to go back in the game with an MCL because it's so tricky. Now, if you knew from the jump it was an MCL tear, then that might be different. But evaluating him on the sideline, seeing if he's still stability there, he wants to go back in. He's saying he still can go back in probably because he's a competitor. 
the way we are right now as a team, I think you give them the opportunity to go back in there and play. You know, but you hate for it to go out the way it did. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to look at those two drives in the third quarter because I think that's really where the game was was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, Saints come out after halftime. They get they get a stop defensively, get the ball right back, um, and then uh, you get you know what I mean you get the fumble recovery. Cam mm-hmm. Jordan makes a phenomenal play. You know, mm-hmm. pressured the quarterback, then hustles back, punches the ball out. I mean, perfect punch. Yeah. And, and the Saints recover. Carl Granderson gets the recovery. Saints in business. Boom. Drive. You get down. You're at the 11-yard line. So you can still make a first down here. You're not in goal situation. You don't have to be in the end zone. You can still make a first down. Mm-hmm. First play, good play. They pick up seven. They threw a mm-hmm. nice little swing pass to Kamara, pick up seven. Second and three. Yep. On that play, though, Levante David gets hurt. Their best, the Bucks' best linebacker, Levante David, the mm-hmm. all-pro, gets hurt, goes mm-hmm. to the sideline. The Saints decide on second and three to go to Ingram up the middle. And I'm watching the Manning cast at the time, right? And Peyton mm-hmm. is sitting there saying, he's like, and Eli both, they're both like, you go right back to Kamara. It's like you challenge, you like whoever came in for David, you want them isolated on Kamara. It's like before right. the players even snap, they're like, go to Kamara, go to Kamara. Mm-hmm. Saints handed up the middle, no game. Now you got third down. 12 men in the huddle. The things that we've talked about all year, the mental part of the game where the Saints have failed over and over again. 12 men in the huddle, which should never happen. No. You lose five. You get the five back, throwing it to Taysom. So you back down there on third mm-hmm. and three again. And you got, I mean, fourth and three. And, and, and now you got to kick the field goal where before – you might have been in two-play territory trying to go in with that mm-hmm. defense and saying, Buck can't go 99 yards against this defense. Right. I haven't seen him do it in any of the time that I've been coaching this defense, Dennis Allen, that you've been coaching. The Bucks have not gone 99 yards against you. Mm-hmm. So to me in that situation, before that penalty, before that, that I think was – I think they should have gone play action on second down because I think third down you have the option to still run it. If the play yep. don't work on second, you can still run it on third because it's two down territory to me. And I think that, that they got conservative there. And then on the next drive, again, you're in the same position. You're down around that in, in the, 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 the hottest part of the red zone. Yep. And you're giving it to Ingram again in those situations and not Kamara. And then the touches were all very conservative plays. They didn't test the end zone at all. They didn't try to get um, you know, either of their receivers into the action of that. It seemed everything was trying to be underneath to either the running backs or to taste them. And I thought that the, those two drives where you come away with six points instead of 14, the game's over if you get touchdowns on those drives. If you get one touchdown out of those two drives and a field goal, the game is over. And and I, I just thought that was where the game was lost. Definitely. Uh, you got to score touchdowns, especially when you're that deep in the red zone. You gotta come away with touchdowns, especially playing against a Tom Brady led team. You know, because Tom Brady does what Tom Brady does. And he did exactly what he's supposed to do, what, he, what he's known to do in the fourth quarter. You know, so like you said, those those drives right there really affected the game. And to me, the penalty hurt the most to me. Getting even though you got the yardage back, but the penalty hurt with the 12 guys in the huddle. To me, I feel like that is 
not just on the players. I think some of it is confusion. And with coaching as well, it's confusion because there's no reason why you should have 12 guys in the huddle unless they're confused on what personnel is in the game. And the personnel that is called that gets called is offensive coordinator makes a personnel call. You know, so and usually uh, this isn't doing two plays already been called in this situation. Yes. That, that personnel grouping already has the options. This is what we're going to do, you know, the looks. So that, yeah, it's, yes. it's, it just felt weird that there were 12 guys in that situation. Yes, it should never been 12 guys, but you have to score touchdowns. And you have to isolate the guy that just came in. You got to isolate him from You have to do that. But I can also see on the other side of it where they're just not thinking that right now. You know, but again, I, don't I, give, you I don't give it. it to Taysom on a you don't let Taysom True. do something with it in, in any of those situations. You still didn't yeah. put the ball in his hands and let him on on a three yard situation. I'd rather give it to Taysom mm-hmm. than give it to to Ingram going straight ahead when I know all night the running game has not worked. You're mm-hmm. averaging something like two yards a carry. Yeah, and you think you're going to run in the heart of the Buccaneers defense, which is their strength. The middle is their strength. <laughs> True. <laughs> I, I just – it didn't make sense to me. It just didn't. Uh, yeah, the play call was a little off. But you got to score. You have to score a touchdown some way, somehow. Like I said, a play-action game definitely would have worked on that. Uh, ah, you just – you hate to, you hate to lose it on those two drives. But I can't just blame it all on those two drives. No. Because if you, if you look in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady was Tom Brady. You know, but like you that said, last you get- drive – you get him in opportunities. Yes. That last drive, he was taking what was giving him underneath, but they also had some receivers making plays. Mm-hmm. You know, they was making plays in the in crunch time. And honestly, they scored before they scored a touchdown, but they got a penalty and called it back. And then a couple more plays later, they score again. You know, so, I mean, you hate to lose that way, but you got to take your hat off to Tom Brady. He did what Tom Brady do. Uh, defensively, we played our tail off again. You know, holding them to three points to the fourth quarter. And the three points came in the first drive, you know, in the first quarter. So to hold Tampa Bay to three points to late in the fourth quarter, but they also scored like two touchdowns within like, what, five minutes, six minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but our defense played well, but offensively, we still have to play complimentary football. Uh, we were 35% on third down. Uh that's not going to cut it, you know. So in defense, they defense created two turnovers for us. You, yeah. I would never thought, I would never thought to go into a game where we play in Tampa Bay, where we always have their number. Yep. And and you tell me we're going to be up sixteen three with late in the fourth quarter, and we have two turnovers. We have no turnovers that we don't win that game. You know, no way, no way we don't win that game. You know, so. I think some changes have to be made. I don't know how major the changes have to be made, but some tweaks has to be made, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 a weird place to be as far as the rebuilding of this team goes because there are some good studs in the built in the you know in the built in the walls. There's some good studs in there. Um the whole house isn't rotten. But sometimes you got to give up some good stuff to get better. And that's going to be a mm-hmm. real tough question as to when you start thinking about players 
Um, and how do you get better and what assets do you have in order to maybe get some picks back? I would imagine certainly the big thing is, is waiting on what Sean Payton decides and what team mm-hmm. decides to, to, to pursue him and what the compensation the Saints get for him. Um, that's going to be a big thing this offseason, certainly. And then position-wise, I guess you do have to start making decisions with some of your vets, like a Cam Jordan or a Demario Davis. If you're going to start going younger with this defense, Teron Matthew, all these guys, if you start going younger with your defense and younger with your offense to start a rebuild, what, what's their value? Do you trade them? Do you do you hold them on to be veterans as transitional players and get them off your cap? I mean, the Saints got a lot of hard questions to ask this offseason. For me, defensively, I don't think you make a lot of changes defensively. Defensively, we've been the most – they've been the most consistent the entire year, even date back to last year. This defense has been consistent. I think if you're going to make changes, the changes have to come from the offensive end. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I think you leave your defense intact, especially when you get your your secondary back. You know, because we was beat up in the secondary. You know, you start getting those guys back. Uh, you get Lattimore back. You know, that's going to make that defense even better. So I don't think you really mess with your defense too much unless it's a salary cap issue. Mm-hmm. That, that's what no I'm thinking sal- is the salary cap with yeah. those vets. Now, offensively, I think you have to find. I think you have to find a running back. And I think you have to find a quarterback or what, or, or what you're going to do with Jameis. I think those two positions, when it comes to players, the running back position and the quarterback position has to be addressed when it comes to players. But defensively, I don't know if you do too much defensively because they, they've been consistent in the last two years. I think the one thing you're looking for defensively is you've got to get more rush. Like that's the Saints, you know, 54 dropbacks at least for Tom Brady last night and only one sack and 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 not a lot of pressures. And that's Tom Brady, mm-hmm. of course, but 54 dropbacks, you want to get some touches on somebody. And and right. that's been a problem for the Saints this year is just generating consistent pass rush, um, especially up the middle. So I think defensive tackle is another area that they'll, again, try to pursue. You're hoping, again, that Peyton, um, you know, um, that Peyton – this year, uh, it starts to develop into a defensive end, but the Saints really need to get some more pass rushing, I think. And then the offensive side, like I said, it's stabilizing the line, getting a bell cow running back to, to get Alvin Kamara back to what he's supposed to be doing. Because mm-hmm. like we talked about last week, he's getting way more carries and way fewer catches. And mm-hmm. that is not the formula for success for Alvin Kamara. It, it, it's just not. It's 10 to 12 carries seven to eight catches and right now he's getting Mm -hmm. 15 carries and ain't going nowhere and he's not getting catches I mean last you know Mm -hmm. Monday night he had two catches and and the same you know whatever they do offensive philosophy wise I think the receiving core is actually I mean you Rashid Shahid yes this dude can do everything he can return kicks he can catch Okay, so now you found another rock, uh, diamond in the rough. You got Alave. You can restructure Michael Thomas's contract, which I'm sure the Saints will, and he's going to have to do anyway, knowing that he's missed basically three years now. And then, you know, Jarvis isn't around. His contract comes off the book, so you you, you have that option. The Saints are going to be okay at receiver. They have Mm -hmm. to address tight end. 
they will have to address tight end and figure out, you know, get a more experienced guy to go along with Troutman probably. But again, that's yeah. something you can do later in the draft or in free agency. But yeah, it, like we said, the studs are good. The, mm-hmm. It's not a bad football team. It's just, I think that, it, like you said, the communication this year, the execution, and the, there's there's a disconnect somewhere um, that yeah. just is not, not in the quarterback position, of course, not being, uh, not having continuity there. Yeah, and, and I, I definitely think you have to address, like I said, I don't know what, I don't think you make major changes to the coaching staff, not after the first year, but I think you have to make changes. And when I say major changes, I'm saying not fire Dennis Allen. That to me, that's a major change. If you if you change the head coach, I don't think you fire Dennis Allen after the first year unless he has lost the locker room. I think that's once the coach, the loses, that's the question. I think once the coach loses the locker room, you never get it back. You never get it back because the guys that been there, they're still looking at you side eye. They still don't trust you. They still have second thoughts if you can coach. Then guys not going to trust the process. And if you don't trust the process, you're not going to get anything done. So hopefully he continues to have the locker room behind him and pushing him. But I still think some type of coaching change has to be made or tweaked. Uh, but I don't think you fired Dennis Allen from the jump. Yeah, I think the offensive philosophy has to change. There has to be – I think this is a team that's more suited for tempo now. Mm-hmm. And and we saw at different times, even when Jameis was under center – there were times the tempo helped. It doesn't have to be necessarily no huddle, but they mm-hmm. need tempo. The faster this team moves, I think it's yep. better. It cuts down on the thinking time. It cuts down on the mistakes. That's why I think Drew was was like that. Drew didn't like that huddle. He wanted to be there, you know, call the plays at the line. It was a rhythm thing. It was, okay, I could see it. I'm, I know who I've got, my personnel. And I think that's part of it too. So I think in the offseason, I would imagine if they don't bring Jameis back, that they do ask Andy to come back to yes. be the backup again. And they go out and try to draft somebody, um, maybe trade up back into the first round or get somebody in the second or the third round as a quarterback and see if you can develop him and then go out and sign a free agent as well. Um, you know, maybe they bring in Baker Mayfield for a look, you know, during trainer camp or something like that. I don't know. No, I'm just saying, I'm just a- <laughs> like, there's not a lot of available options this year right. in the off season. So I'm like, but the quarterback question is going to be the biggest thing that hangs over this franchise for, for the entire rest of the season. And I think now too, if you're out of it, which you are, mm-hmm. can we play Jameis? Can we just see, can we just I think, see? I think, I think you have to play him. You have to know what you have. You have to know what you have in James because because truthfully, you still don't know what you have. Uh, the season where he was on a Pro Bowl on a Pro Bowl level, he got injured, and then this year, he got injured. So you really don't know what you have in Jameis. You don't know. You know he's a he's a he's a good quarterback, but durability wise, is questionable. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt the last two years, and you really just I want to see him play a full season. And see what he does. See what we can do with a full season. So now I feel like you have to play him. You have to play him. I think you sit Andy Dalton. Not because Andy Dalton has been a bad has been a bad quarterback. He actually played solid this year for his role as a right. backup quarterback. You don't expect your backup quarterback off. to come in and play a tire and play an entire season. He you need to give him he need to give you about two or three games for your your starter to come back healthy. But for him to, to jump in and play almost an entire season, 
I think he's done a great job for being a backup. But that's but what you gotta like, have somebody for me. That ceiling for him is so hard. You, they, you yes. can't go any higher than that. And I think it's mm-hmm. also in the Saints' best interests, even if you don't plan on keeping Jameis to play him, because I think it's doing right by Jameis. And mm-hmm. that stuff re- resonates around the league. Other players pay attention to that kind of stuff because what you're doing is you're allowing that man, if he's not coming back to you, you're at least allowing him to put some tape out there for the next team. And, yep. you know, I, th- I think that that – the Saints aren't gaining anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, all there is at this stage – You've already lost your first round draft pick. It's going to Philly. You're not, mm-hmm. you're like I said, the playoffs are a pipe dream at this stage. So what are you trying to do? You, of course, you want to still win some games, but everybody on the team knows that you're winning. That winning games is just an exercise at this point. There's not an outcome. There's not something that you can play for other than the professionalism of like I want to play and win. This is what I want to do yeah. as a competitor. You're not. I don't think you're putting your team in any worse position to compete if you put Jameis under center if he's healthy. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, like you say, you're going out there, you're going to compete, even though you know your playoff hopes are kind of dwelling in a way. There is no hopes really, but you're also competing for your job. That's what you're doing now. You're not just competing for your job for the Saints, but you're competing for your job to get picked up somewhere else just in case things go south for you on this team, no matter who you are. Yep. No matter if you're a starter, no matter if you're a backup guy, no matter if you're a special teams guy, everybody is competing for their job because I think everyone knows when you have a season like this and your expectations was through the roof, changes are going to come. They're going to come. You just don't want to be on that side of the change. You know, so everybody's playing for their job now. It's just a really difficult position for the organization to be in because they haven't been in this place before. And it's, it's different. I think rebuilding from failure, you know, like when you have a, a, a group that before Sean Payton came in, the end of the Jim Haslett era was real bad. Mm-hmm. So that transition is a lot easier to say, we're going to sweep this out and, and move on. The saints are in a much different position because you're not, Again, we're not taking over a you're not you didn't take over a bad situation. What you took over was a good job, a job that where people like said before the season were picking the Saints as potentially representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And this all falls apart. And I think that the organization you, you get you have that question of how much how competitive can we be now? And still and that's what this franchise has done a fantastic job of over the years, is being competitive in the now. And then also, what are you projecting for the long-term future now of this team? Um, and what's it going to be as some of these older faces who have been the faces of the franchise do start to move on? Yeah. You know, we got some decisions to make. Uh, I think all around the board and every, trust me, everybody will be evaluated. Everybody. everybody from the players Mickey, to the coaches. I told you Mickey Loomis was going to be in Tampa. I told you he was going to be <laughs> And he didn't, you know, he was, he wasn't looking happy. I mean, that, that, when when you end up on the list with the Falcons now, and see, that's, you know, the the, the, the two worst games, like they said, Tom Brady, the two longest odds, now the Saints are on the list. Yeah. The only game that was longer odds for him to come back and win was the 28-3 game against the Falcons. The Saints are now on the list, the second biggest odds wow. in his career coming back because they were, they had a 97% chance of winning that game with five minutes to go. How do you lose that? That's crazy. How do you lose that? I don't. I, I don't get it. I just. I don't get it. 
I don't, but it, it is Tom Brady. It is Tom Brady, but we don't we don't drop that one, man. We got to win that one. Got that now. Look, you get the buy. If anything, in these last few weeks, you better beat the Falcons at home. Right. You better beat the Falcons at home. <laughs> that's all, that's right. all I know. If if nothing else goes right the rest of this season, you better beat the Falcons at home. Yeah. Coming and off a bye. Yeah, and you want to end on a good note. Yes. Even though the see, even if you don't even make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, you want to end on a good note. I take prime example. It was I want to say it was last year, year before last. Uh, you take the the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins started out like one in seven. Yep. To start the season out, and all of a sudden they win like eight nine games in a row to finish the season. That's how you end on good on a good note, and that that momentum swings right into the next season. You see what Miami's doing now. Before Tua got hurt, you know Miami was on a roll. So for for the Saints, you want to end, even if you don't make the playoffs, you want to leave a good taste in the owner's mouth, the GM's mouth, the head coach mouth, leave a good taste in their mouth about the team, about how you play individually, you know, so everybody got to take it upon themselves to to put their best foot forward these last games and see what happens. They can still finish 500 in the division. You win, Mm -hmm. you beat Atlanta, you beat Carolina, you're 500 in the division. And that's something, you know what I mean? You don't, don't be last in the division. You don't, don't do that. Right. And so right. that's still on the table and that's a pride thing too. So yeah, there's, there's still stuff to play for, even if it's not the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, brother, uh, they got the week off this weekend. So there's two Sundays in a row with no Saints football. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll be back um, next week and, and, and get folks ready for that Falcons game. Um, anything you want to say before we get out of here for the weekend? Nah, I mean, just, Fans, do that. <laughs> Keep your head up, man. It's a, it's a long it's a long year. It's a long yeah. year. It has been a long year. Keep your head up. We still rolling. We still believe. We still believe it. He's Terrence Comer. I'm David Grubb. This has been Believe in Saints. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.